Good evening. This is um, the evening tickler with Steve and Julian and Miriam. Julian's not here. I absolutely um, skipped a beat on that. He sent me a note earlier today telling me this. Um, My future hangs on a meeting, and the meeting must happen when the tickler is playing. So I always defer somebody's future to me sacrificing a moment. And I hope that my sacrifice for Julian helps make his future both bright and prosperous. I'll save you the details. However, as we know, when a door closes, and Julian not being here certainly is a closed door, not slamming, but quietly shutting, doors open. And I would say 40 doors have opened with me just getting to spend the evening tickler with Miriam. Miriam's sitting here. Say hi, Miriam. Hi, Steve. That is why I'm so excited to be here without Julian, because he he would be all over that high Steve thing. He'd want to high Julian. And so in the spirit of the evening tickler, it's time once again to stop with your confusions and confessions and begin dining and discussing um, tonight um, here in the Catskills with the um, mysterious and um, sort of mystical Miriam. Uh, I had a chance of meeting this person several years ago when she was just a teenager. Um, she was riding her bicycle down the down the mountain and fell over, and I put some bandages on her knees, and she confessed to me that she wanted to get into theater, and uh, and I wiped the tears off and, and mended her and gave her some milk and cookies, and she said, someday I'm going to come back and be on your radio show, and I'm going to prove to you that what I'm saying right now is exactly what my spine is made of. And, you know, here it is 25 years later, um, and she has done what she said, falling off of her bike, she would do. How, how does that work? I mean, your fates and your convictions as a young person have turned you into the person you are today. How does that work? Well, I wouldn't really um, attribute it to falling off my bicycle. Oh. Um, oh, I thought that that was a turning point in, in not only our relationship, but your life. I think we met over supper, so this all, this all feels actually quite, um, you know, like fate has come all the way back around again. Um, what's your question, Steve? I, I don't have any questions. I, I'm looking actually uh, for answers. Okay. Um, so why don't you ask me a question? I'm, I'm the, We're having dinner, so... Uh, dinner generally doesn't, you know, we just kind of roll into off of what's on our tongue, which is a really beautiful, let me tell you, everybody that's joined us at table tonight, this is a good night. Um, I pulled out of the fields a large, dense, beautifully flavored Napa cabbage, which a lot of people use for kimchi. I sliced it thin like a noodle, okay? And um, all of that stuff spilled out, and um, I fluffed it up, and I put this thin um, Angus beef on top of it with a Thai peanut dressing and some chopped up peanuts. We're going to be eating this tonight. I hope that I hope that 
everybody that's with us can can taste this with your ears right now. Wish you could see it with your eyes. As a matter of fact, the table is so big tonight that you could probably, all seven of you that are listening, join us. Um, so just to remind you, this is this is an evening of dining with Miriam. And um, as we get into this lovely dinner, we're going to get into some of the maybe deeper, sillier issues um, that happen when, when you eat good food and you just start to explore um, the explorable. But maybe, Miriam, we should start by exploring the unexplorable. What, what in your life has been, this is, this is, this is as good as the, as the Thai peanut sauce, what in your life has been unexplorable? Mm. I think I look at life in a way where most days my main goal is to be as curious as possible. And I think that's probably one of the many uh, (laughs) common (laughs) explorer (laughs) attitudes. Um, One of the things that has maybe been less explorable um, is the future. The future? Yeah. Oh, that's such a big word. Mm, it is a big. Is it scary for you, the future? No. Uh huh. No. Yeah. The future is not scary, but yeah. it's unknown. It's the big unknown. Uh-huh. And uh, oftentimes, you know, we, we look at the past to try and figure out what the future is going to hold. But in the past, we're, we're wrong about a lot of things that yeah. happen in the future. So yeah. it, is, it is the big question. Yeah. So how did you get so wise and smart <laughs> after falling off that bike? What, 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 did you make a lot of mistakes in your life? Uh, did, you, did you bruise yourself? Are you covered with emotional and, and sort of intellectual scars that have led you to uh, where you are now? Perhaps. Uh, my mother said that on my sixth birthday, um, I woke up very early and I came upstairs into their room and I climbed into bed and I looked at her with all, you know, serious big blue eyes and I said, Mom, is this all there is? Mm. And she goes, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a problem, child. <laughs> and and did, she call, did she call for help? <laughs> I think she looked at my dad, and, and they both looked back, and they said, well, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, you just wake up every day, and you, you, know, you do the same things, and you, you eat, and you sleep, and, and then you wake up the next day, and you do it all again. What else is there? Is this it? And I think this has been a big question in my life of what, why, why are we here? There is a purpose. There is something. And I feel like that comes back to the original question of what is unexplorable. It is the idea of what is in the future that will be my life purpose and how will I find it? I don't know. But it's all of the steps of the past that get you there. Yeah. You know, um, I can I can understand right now that I'm an absolutely inappropriate moron to be uh, having dinner with you tonight because I have absolutely no insights into the profound questions that that you raise. However, mm. I am fascinated with the idea that the future is unknown, but you're attracted to it. So you're walking into something that is, for most people, what they wouldn't want to walk into because it's dangerous. Uh, things that things that are unknown cause fear. 
Are you fearless? No. But, you know, so just as a context, Steve and I were just talking about phobias. We were talking about fear. We were talking about dreamscapes and how your fear manifests into these dreams. I, I think I've spent a lot of my life pretending that I have fears, like a fear of heights, but I love to rock climb mm. and be on high buildings. Um, a fear of crowds, yeah. oh, although I'm quite gregarious and uh-huh. I am kind of an extrovert. Um, I don't know that I'm fearless, but I don't know that I've found my fears. Well, that's very complicated. You know, the, the idea that um, you would create a fear um, so that you would have reason to walk into it is what a lot of like very wise people say in if you want to control and master anything you have to embrace it which means getting very close and 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 if you um, want to control your fears then you have to step right into it and give it a hug a hug so tight that it can't escape maybe that's what maybe that's what Miriam does is that she she puts up a straw man of fear as um, an ideal of a new, curious place to learn from. And then she takes a good, solid run at it and, and gives it a, a good hug. You, you look like you could probably hug something extremely dangerous and awkward, mm, like love, the future. Yeah, I love snakes you and love, sharks. You love sharks? I love sharks and snakes. And snakes. And these are very dangerous things. I know. Why is that? Um, it's, just, it's just something I thought I would, I would bring to your yeah. attention. Well, generally, I, I'm fascinated with sharks and mm-hmm. snakes when they're on the table. Oh, yeah. I'm served up. Oh. <laughs> um, and I've had, I've had both um, on a plate before. And I guess I I can say that I've had experiences with both of them in the real world. And they've caused me to feel my heart come out my nose. Um, But it's not, you know, fear is something maybe right now in my life that I have a lovely giddy respect for. And it reminds me of so many things when I was your age that uh, were attractive. But have lost have lost that wonderful shine that attractive sort of like um a shiny thing that you just irresistibly go for maybe because i went for it so many times that i'm i'm so bruised and ruined by it all that that i've i've just given up on sharks and snakes so to speak but you're just stepping into that and you've got so much to look forward to getting scared and bit and spun around and um and and having stories after stepping into it that will both amuse and beguile everybody with uh, with your courage to go where other people don't go. Do you like that part of it, is coming back with survivor tales of your fearlessness? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there, there is nothing better than telling a story of the improbable, right? It's so um, true. I think, I think that is that is living. That is what life is, is to be able to return with a tale that you can regale at a dinner party so that it gets the conversation going, but it's based on a true story. 
And there's more to it. There's, I think that there's much more to it okay. than that because you become a teacher yeah. and, and you also become an inspiration. And people hear that and, and they mm-hmm. say to themselves, well, if she could do that, maybe I could do that. But it's not just a teacher. It's also your, you become the student. You know, these are the experiences. These are the things that create the character that you have built over the years. These are the things that allow you to kind of push forward, to push more, to go deeper into a jungle in the middle of a fort, like in the middle of a rainstorm. Like you keep going because you want to discover what's on the other side and you know that you're going to learn from it and you can keep going further once you've got there. Have you ever um, gone to a place where um, with an open mind and the idea that you're going to push yourself to an extreme where you'll be uncomfortable, where physically you might have put yourself at risk of dying? Yeah. Uh, give me give me one of these lovely stories of near oh. death because you were curi- curiosity. Didn't kill the cat, but almost. Miriam is going to tell us something that will probably make us gag our food out, even though it is really a beautiful Thai dress, tapa salad. Go. Oh, God. Um, I am going to tell you a story right now that I think is a, one of the reasons why I have a, a go-get-it attitude to life. And go and get it. I like that. Um, I, that's a T-shirt for sure. It was just an experience I had when I was 17, and I was snowboarding in in, uh, in Oregon, in Mount Hood, on Mount Hood. And I, uh, I saw my boyfriend at the time, and he was going off these jumps, and he was, you know, getting so much air, and I was really excited. And I was like, okay, I have a fear of jumping, like going off of these jumps, and I really want to get over it. So I... I tell him to go in front of me and I say, I'll follow you. I want to watch what you do. So he goes down the hill and he hits a couple of these tables and I follow just, you know, after he's down the hill and can't see up further. And I caught an edge on my snowboard. I hit my neck. I completely went unconscious and I woke up not knowing my name. The wind was blowing at the There was high no altitudes. wind. There was no... I couldn't hear anything. It was like all I remember thinking was sitting on the side of this mountain, wondering if I was in Japan and not being able to recall what my name was. And they took me down in a stretcher. They took me to the, uh, you know, medical spot on the on the mountain and then they were like completely strapped me down and said, we're going to have to transport you. It looks like you're you've been paralyzed uh, or you're going to be paralyzed you've fractured your C2 and your C3 of your spinal cord it's not looking good and then they put me in an ambulance totally strapped down so I couldn't feel anything in my body and I spent another hour and a half with an EMT who told me don't worry like you'll it, it's gonna be fine like you don't need to walk to live and in my head oh I'm, yeah i'm thinking 17 like, and I'm, your life is I, over my life is fucking over yeah you can't use those words on, oh uh, I'll, sorry bleep that one unless you quote somebody okay good literary references but that's, go ahead that's good to know so i spent that entire time facing my mortality and what felt like my mortality obviously you can live in other ways but that was it was me and i lost it for only an hour and a half and then they got me to the hospital and 
they took more MRIs and CAT scans and it was okay and I was going to be okay and I had a lot of you know recovery and work after that that went into it but it it built me so many people that have had experiences like that let them go like water through their fingers and the the profundity of realizing how quick and 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 temporal the mortal coil is um doesn't stick there, um, particularly young people that go through that, they're by nature wired to be immortal. Um, mm. But it sounds like you really took on a lesson there. I think I I didn't know if I would live past a certain age. You know, I always felt like there wasn't that much, not too much time maybe. And then when that happened, suddenly I felt like I had a I did have the time. It was just now. And it was just a totally different way of living rather than like seeing into the future and what, how long you want to live and what you need to accomplish in that time. It was like really kind of a lesson of being in the now and finding so that presence. Let me, let me get this. Let me understand this. Sure. Um, you at an early age felt that you might not have much time on this earth and is is that right that you kind had that of. sense? I, mean, I was just dangerous, you know. Like I would just like I, I'm an Aries. I hit my head all the time. Like I had so many concussions, yeah, yeah. car accidents, yeah, um, situations where I was just getting hurt all the time. Yeah. and I was stupid. Yeah. I was I was just I was stupid, and I was putting myself in these situations. So yeah, there was a part of me that was like I probably. Probably uh-huh. won't make it that long. Uh-huh. And then I remember being 21, getting to be 21. Suddenly I was like, I've got, I've got lots of time. You yeah. felt it's time for it to continue or not to continue? No, I, I felt that it was definitely time to continue. Oh, so uh, three times seven, which yeah. makes you 21, uh-huh. suddenly uh, matured you into realizing this is going to be a longer game than I thought. Yeah, it felt good. I was like, okay, I made it here. I've got a lot. I've got a long ways to go. And and with that, okay. So once you understand that your fuse is not so short, and and um, and and there's that you know this is something that that I I can certainly relate to in um, that period of my life also that if it was going to be a short fuse, I was going to go out with an explosion that would mm. make a noise. I, I and I did everything to explore you know, what could make a noise. Um, and then you wake up one day and you realize that you're going to survive yourself. (laughs) And with that comes this both exuberant, but crushing responsibility that that future, which was something that you would stick your fingers into and, and, and wonder and, and thrill to was something that you were going to put your hand on like the handle of a, of a tiller on a, on a crazy sailboat. So what did you do with yourself going from a crazy person who was going to die <laughs> and go out with a good-looking corpse to a mature person starting to hone and perfect maybe a few skills and passions that you had? What, how... It sounds to me like this wonderful, you turned a page in your fat book of life mm. and there was just this new chapter that you started to read yourself into. It, I mean, it wasn't... It wasn't that dramatic. It wasn't that dramatic. <laughs> no, 
Yeah. No, it was more. You of could a, make it dramatic. I mean, I, it's I mean, dinner. I, yeah, I could, you could, I could totally turn beguile our conversation with the, yes, and I woke up and suddenly I saw with a clarity that made <laughs> my future something not impossibly dangerous but accessible. Yeah, and, I think I've always struggled with, as I said, this idea of future, but also this idea of purpose. And so I think everything that I do, I'm looking for ways to try and make it into something that feels like it's worthy, like it's worthy to me, which I think I have high expectations for myself. And so that's that's something that kind of switched on at that age, whereas before the purpose was just to be young and to get to live, basically like to get to the age where, you know, I had passed how how long I expected to last my expiry date. And then from then on, it was living to a point where I felt that I was trying to fulfill that. They say that a, an unexamined life is a life not worth living. You, you think about, I mean, so many people just like uh, bulldoze through life. So you think about what's gone on, don't you? Yeah. You must be... You're not for everybody. No. Because that's pretty intense. It's intense. And, you know, it must be awful to live with somebody like you where you're just constantly, like, holding life in your hands and, and <laughs> juggling with it and feeling how heavy and fast things are moving, right? I don't know. I think we're just kind of we're feeling the weight of the topic. But I, I happen to have... You know, a very light side as well, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I can see that, that you're <laughs> starting to levitate. Um, the, you know, the, there are, um, okay, so um, the light side of life is, is really the good side, and that's mm -hmm. when you can look at the heaviness and just laugh at it and put it, put it on the head of a pin and spin it. Um, and they generally, the, the laughter happens in those places where you just don't see it coming. Um, now, when we were driving to, to dinner tonight, you were telling me about how when you went to your ideal boarding school in Colorado, they put you out into the wilderness for two weeks before the, the school year began, and you had 48 hours by yourself um, to think about things. And, and, and <laughs> you said half of it, it was hailing, and, uh, but it was okay because you were in a cave. <laughs> And um, and I and I I think that there's nothing better than like being a cave person, um, but you know I think Woody Allen or somebody said that comedy is just tragedy with a little bit of time applied to it. it when when you were there um, in the dark by yourself on top of a mountain in a cave, did were you able to laugh at that? Then, I mean, can you look back at it and say, there I was just um, by myself in a wilderness that was wild and mad. And it brought me to myself being lost like that, found me. Can, um, ha, ha, ha. Did, did that happen? I might have laughed. I was so bloody hungry. Yeah. So maybe I was a bit delirious because we yeah. were fasting at the time as well. Um, and I knew that there were chanterelles just beyond, but I couldn't get to them because it was past the area that I was, like my restricted area that I had to stick to where I would run into the other kids. 
Um, I don't really remember laughing, but I will tell you one thing. The whole experience, I remember thinking, I, I must be a romantic because I am just like seeing this from like a very, very airy, like a, a vast aerial view of this person inside of a cave in a hailstorm in the wilderness, in the Rocky Mountains, and thinking, this is such a beautiful moment. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Because it's something that when you hear, you can feel, you can feel the solitude almost. You, yeah. you understand what that could feel like, and it's beautiful and it's human because you're scared, you're hungry, you're tired, you're in a completely new situation, but you're out there and you're aware that you're in nature and it feels right. And I don't remember laughing, but I remember the next day when the rain stopped uh, and the sun came out and I laid on a, on a very large boulder that I had been sleeping under the night before. And I just remember smiling a lot and being so happy and that you survived yeah i got through the you night got through it because it was tough it was like you know you were Forever. really reaching the darkest parts of your soul at that point where you're yeah. just like i don't know if i can do this but you can yeah you can yeah those are those are journeys and roads everybody should should walk on mm-hmm. um particularly the hunger part nobody in america anyway knows what it's like to really feel the wolf at the door in terms of a stomach that has no food you can feel your your body eating itself. It's unusual. I've 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 had that um, happen to me, and it's you know something that you don't want to wish on anybody. But it's also the sort of thing that if you survive it, is um, part of the experience of being kind of an animal and human. Is that um, you if you starve. Um, and you realize that you are nothing but a, a living organism that has to eat and, and, the, and the sanctity and, and how sacred it is to do that. When you do bring something um, to the table, it becomes a, a lot more important than what if you're fed all of the time, food is just a commodity. Um, but when you, when you get hungry and and when you get hungry spiritually, when you get hungry physically, when you get hungry emotionally, if you've ever really been tested that way um, and you've gotten thin and, uh, and you've felt uh, that maybe the next step is the last step you're going to take, then when you do receive the gift um, that starts to give you back um, in your body, mind, and spirit what it is that you were so lacking, it becomes um, exactly that. It becomes a gift. And when I hear you talk, Miriam, I, I really I'm reminded that um, there's no book and there's no teacher that can share with us the deep lessons of what it is to appreciate and to use the gifts that we have in, in our body and, and soul to become ourselves. Those are journeys we have to make on our own and, and hopefully we can survive them. And um, and hopefully they uh, they stick and we don't have to repeat them over and over again. Well, I had to repeat most of mine. I'm still. Um, I want to I want to say something right now um, and then I'm going to say something else. Uh, and this is important. So I want you to listen. Um, you're listening <laughs> to W.I.O.X. Community Radio. Live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM and on MTC Cable Channel 20. 
Um, this is the most important part of it. And at WIOXradio.org on the web and on any smart device, that little bit of magic, WIOXradio.org, allows you in, um, let's see, Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, to be hearing us right now. Okay, it's it's just, it still is magic to me. This is the Evening Tickler with um, Steve and not with Julian, but um, because of the ways the world works, I've got Miriam, Tom, all to dinner to explore the mysteries, um, and and it's it's wonderful. Um, and I could go on there, and I will go on because the SEG, which promotes all of the people that um, support us, has has kind of disappeared from the table, and so we can't really go into um, what we need to. So, um, with permission. Um, this is going to happen right now. Oops. Oh. Happy accident. Slap that bass, slap it till it's dizzy. Slap that bass, keep the rhythm busy. Zoom, 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 misery, you got to go. Slap that bass, use it like a tonic. Slap that bass, keep your philharmonic. Zoom, 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 and the milk and honey will flow. Dictators would be better off if they zoom, zoom now and then. Today you can see that the happiest men all got rhythm. In which case, if you want to bubble, slap that bass, slap away your trouble. Learn to zoom, 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 slap that bass.
the evening tickler. Um, and uh, what's very important at WIOX is this, that um, we have 82 volunteers that come in here and make this station happen. And it is a representation of the wildly diversified, not only voices, but skills of uh, what's represented. Um, I, the bovina farmer, Steve Burnett, really keep the bar extremely low and um, somehow hit a button that took away all of the segs uh, for our dinner conversation. And um, and I hold myself personally accountable for that. And for everybody that um, notices that there was this hiccup in our programming, I'm the guy that will stand up and take the 40 lashes with a smile on my face. I, I am used to being... Um, held accountable and you should see the scar tissue on me my life has been nothing but messing it up and saying yep it was me we need more people like me in the world the world will be more imperfect but a lot more in line with what our expectations are now um here we are we're back with the fascinating and ever lovely miriam tom who has traveled the world um, has experienced her fears uh, intimately and is not stopping. She right now is in the process of a reinvention, and it's, it's fascinating when we get to a point in our life where we realize the clock has been ticking, but the tick hasn't been clocking. And, 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 and when we realize that there is that sort of break between the rhythm and the sound, we wake up in the middle of the night and we go, correction is needed. How that happens, you know, it can start slow or it can be an event or whatever. But there are these points in our life that we just say to ourselves with beads of sweat, sometimes on our forehead, nobody can save me but me. And there is something in me that's deep and primitive and true that's telling me to take a step when everybody else has their hand out on me saying, save me. I think that's also a poem or something that somebody once said. But Miriam and Steve and everybody else I know is always waking up and saying, what can I do now to become the hero of my own life? Where's my passion? Where's my joy? What do I need to do and how do I need to sacrifice as, 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 as hard as that sacrifice is for those that are around me that I love to go out and become myself? Um, and Miriam is about ready to get on a plane and fly into the world and do a project that she has been thinking about forever. And this is it, okay? All of us have in our bone and sometimes our bones, a story of where we came from and what made us, that we have no um, sort of conscious relationship with. And, and for Miriam, it's a grandfather who she never knew, but the way he lived his life and the influence that he had was a stone cast into her pond, her life, that um, has compelled her now to take time to write about this person and this person's influence on her life, even though it's an idea. She never knew this person. I, I find that to be compelling. How, did, how does that work? How did you come to 
have a relationship with a man you never knew in a way where you are taking a step into your life now to explore that? Well, I think it goes back to... um Oh God! Uh, several years ago, um, I mean, I my grandfather was an architect. As I mentioned to you, that was something that I've always had a lot of interest in. He built uh, all of the houses that my parents lived in, or my mom lived in when she was growing up. Um, and I've seen his work, and his work is beautiful. He's in you know, of the school of Frank Lloyd Wright, and I always found it so inspiring. And um, I had seen this, and then several years ago, my aunt, who was a documentarian in her um, younger years, she digitized all of his Super 8 archives that he was taking from 1965 to 1980. Um, I saw them a few times, maybe at family reunions. Um, I I got sight of this footage. And I remember the first time I saw it, it was coming off of like a major Antonioni Fellini kick. And I saw this Super 8 footage and it was so vibrant with Technicolor, just kind of like this budding, playful, gorgeous, young, youthful grandparents that I had never known. I knew my grandmother, Mm. um, my grandfather... I remember watching it, and as you know, I, I also work in film. So when I saw it, I started seeing things that I did. I concentrate on hands. I I love close-ups. I'm constantly sort of searching for the detail or just enjoying a locked-off setting, a landscape that feels more like stillness and just a place in time and I saw all of this in what he was doing and I had never met him and so I I sat on this footage I started working on a million other things and I I kind of forgot about it and um it was always there I knew I had it um but I didn't know what I was going to do with it and recently as I mentioned to you I have just sort of uh, opened up a new chapter in my life where I have a little bit more space than I did before to work on my own personal projects. And um, I kind of, I don't know, I think it has something I was saying. It's kind of like being uh, an oyster, which we all love oysters, right? But <laughs> of course, I love them. <laughs> Here in the mountains, we have a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, not out here. But there's something about being really comfortable and not really being able to find your creative juices. And then sometimes when you get a little bit more uncomfortable, you're able to open up and see what's inside. And uh, I just came out of a, a five-year relationship and have had a lot of time of contemplation. And suddenly... I just had this feeling it was time. I needed to deep dive into the archives of my grandfather's footage. Um, I needed to speak with my my grandmother. I felt a sense of urgency, like if I don't do it now, I don't know when I will, and I must do it now. So I told my mother, and she says, wow, it's so funny. You're the exact age I was when he passed away. Yeah. 
So it was all the signs pointing to yes, and uh, and now I'm on this path for a little while. And um, in a in a family where these patterns repeat, and and I and I really heard you when you recognized that um, your grandfather. Uh, in his close-ups and his fascination with hands is something that you share. Um, that is a mystery that really compels me, that we are um, we're either blessed or cursed with a predestiny and a way of being that comes from um, our family. Mm. And, you know, we can choose to be creeped out by it because it is kind of creepy that there's a hand from the grave that's got its you know fingers on you right now, or we can be absolutely exuberant about the idea that that there's a legacy that stretches through us and 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 will stretch into the future, and your children someday may be touched by what it is that you have done and what you've said. And I have to believe this: that when you feel that you are compelled to tell the story of a man that you never knew but suspect is in your blood and bones and imagination, that what you do there will be a path that your children will walk on to, and that this is really a very important thing in who we are as a people, uh, as what we do with our lives to keep us connected. And, and, and it goes this way, that we can look at that and we can say, well, I, I'm self-serving and I do this because I'm compelled and I've got the talent and so on to explore this, and it's about me. Or we can say, I really don't know. I just have to do this. And it might be a platform that other people stand on and, and make another leap from. Um, and that's it, it's an important thing, I believe, in legacy and in, in what we do as adults to teach and to inspire is that we build platforms, even sometimes we don't realize we're doing that. But when we document the journey, as you're going to do, um, it's a handshake, not only to the past, but it's an invitation to future people to explore things that are important. And um, I don't know if that's taught in school. I don't know if that if our parents say this is what life is, part of life is all about. But you've got it, and you've given up a lot to give yourself the time and the space to do this now. And that I say that takes not only a little bit of courage and a little bit of um, madness, because you leave a lot to get a lot, and it's a, it's a transitional period. But, you know, what would you say to other people— of the five people that are listening tonight that are going through this exact same issue right now of a transitional period where they're going to leaving something important and going to something that they're compelled to explore that is more important um, and deeper. What would you say to them in terms of what it takes to make that step? There's risk there. I don't really think I know yet, Steve. I think it's impossible to tell other people how to find the courage to do something that feels frightening because it's just something you have to find in yourself. No one can tell you that. And it's all about, this is, this is the existential six-year-old saying, this is the only life we've had. 
we have to live it. We have to go. What else is there? What's our purpose? And when you have the inkling or you are tickled to move on something, just listen to your intuition and then to follow it because, I mean, what, what's the worst that can happen? Failure, which you'll learn from. Um, yeah, ridicule, uh, shame, uh, <laughs> poverty. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we've moved through all of these things, you know. Like, and yeah, that will ha- that will happen, especially in a time where social media is like so much a part of ourselves and our image and the yeah. way that we speak about ourselves. And yeah, being judged badly you know, constantly, but um, to collect a lot of not likes does, to be does abandoned. That, does it matter though if you were to feel like what you were doing was the right thing? And honestly, I feel like most of the time when people follow what feels right, the audience responds. They do. Sincerity is something that never, never, ever loses. Um, it, it's it finds you out very quickly. Um, and it also tells you quickly who you want as your friends and who will help you on your way and and further you and it's it's maybe maybe that's one of the triggers of why we do what we do is that um as we age we have less and less bandwidth um to uh, proceed with and we focus and, and we we abide and gather our energies and and we we take it with people that can understand that and further further our step and um, and we leave a lot of people that will not help us take that or, or maybe just not understand that next step um, I have to believe that somebody like you that is walking into an expedition, a journey, and where the outcome is a little bit unknown, um, is going to find, not only in whatever you lose, you're going to find a much smaller but a much purer um, set of partners that will, through the refining fire of your life, be again refiner's fire takes precious metals and the rest of it just gets burned off our lives are all about that that we we throw out an incandescent flame and things get burned off and what's left is you know got a heavy bottom to it and we trudge along and throw the light and you have that path it seems that you know that there's sacrifice and there's pain in that in incandescent burn of a passion for exploring that will leave you not because you've chosen it but because you're compelled to do it um you it's quite simple i, I i've always felt that and it's this is an idiot talking i've always felt that what we do when we are passionate without knowing what the rules are and we walk into something is the only true master that we have because when we step into something that we don't quite know how to work it or what the next step will be and we give ourselves to this that the work will teach us okay and when we just throw ourselves off the abyss into a seemingly existential void and we we know 
deep down that we will find our wing or we will fall until we find a new path or not, that that is the way of life. And those that stand on the edge and look at fallen angels and disasters and say, this is not for me, are the people that miss out on life. That's all I have to say about that. What do you think about that? Mm. We all live life differently. And, you know, there's a reason we're at each other's dinner table. It's true, but don't you find that in the fact that we all do live our lives differently when you walk out of a Mets game and you look at all of the people around you that you do feel like an alien in an, uh, in a strange land, a stranger in a strange land. Um, even though you can respect maybe the fact that a lot of people are eating hot dogs and living for the next game, that that's not your path. And that, um, these are people that you couldn't have dinner with. No, that's a that's def- there's a there's a whole other um, group of people, but um, you know, thank God that we can kind of distance ourselves in some ways, and you know that there is enough space in this world for everybody to live the way that they wanted to be. But I do I find it. Living in New York is like living in a crazy bubble. And so often, you know, until you go into these cities in middle America or even just on the West Coast or any, I mean, anywhere else in America, and you're outside of just the city, you realize how, like, how insulated you've been. And suddenly there is so much else that, that's going on and you realize that, yeah, there is not, there are a lot of people who are living life for a very different reason and that has to be okay too because they are making that clock tick in their own way. Do you like to sit out in the woods by yourself and, and beat a drum just in, <laughs> to, to hear like that primitive nonsense and that... <laughs> weird r factor brain come up are you no that's oh not. come on you, no no that's never i mean no do you like to sit by yourself in a dark corner with a bottle of gin and drink it down just to see if you can go to a place you've never gone before i've i, I haven't done that either um, i do drink wine though. okay this is I 20 like, questions oh, okay, I know you, going. you like to drink um <laughs> Do you sometimes sit quietly and mm-hmm. stare off into the middle ground just to hear your heart beat and get scared to death? No. Do you sometimes um, sit down at a meal and eat yourself to distraction just because nothing else is at the table that interests you? Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> it hasn't happened often because you're not a f- you're not like large. You're not living no. that large yet. No, it's definitely just when the food is better than conversation. Are these questions upsetting you? No, I like Okay, can I ask more? Continue. Um, If you were to take your face off Mm -hmm. and and, and hold it in your hand as a precious commodity, as jewel, Mm. who would you want to give it to? Oh, goodness. Yeah. Wow. 
My cat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so now that we're entering the realm of magical reality, <laughs> with your cat having your face on, mm. it could make a lot of money in a freak show. Definitely. Would you want? It, would your cat share it with you, or is your cat so independent that she it would is, just like take she it all? Would take every take last it, take, penny. Take your face. Yeah. No, she's she's a meanie. Okay. So next question. <laughs> If you were to be given a magical cape that when you shouldered it would allow you to be that impossible thing, what would you be? Mm. Exactly who I am. <sighs> Did you feel that? You know, the, in the old in the Old Testament or in the like the Jewish religion they can't say the word God. And so what they do, instead of saying God, they just take a big breath. They hold and then they release. And, and the, the whole idea of not saying, but just breathing something impossibly big and good is, is an idea that I think is embodied in, in Miriam Tom, that she's just a breath. And, um, it's not necessarily fresh air. You know, she's struggling. She's looking. She's uh, exploring and, and making a path for herself that she, you know, what I like is she, she's, this path is something that she's making that she'll share. That's important. Um, I mean, it's important for us to, to find ourselves through our struggles and our mistakes and our heroic uh, victories. But if it's not done in a way where we can pass it on, tell the story at a dinner party and get people's attention, which is very hard if you've ever been to a dinner party these days, um, then what's the purpose? I, what do you think, Miriam? What do you think about everything ending up as story? I think that's life. As you pour yourself a glass of wine. Glug, glug, glug. <laughs> Would you like <laughs> to compliment your lovely dinner? Thank you. Oh, You're so welcome. Um, I don't know, Steve. I mean, I think religion is based on story. I think culture is based on story. I think humans are based on stories. And that that is it. And that is it. We have to have beliefs. We have to believe in something. We have to let our imaginations go. And these are all things that are built on stories. So I hope, I hope that that's what will continue. I think that your hope to God's ear will probably form the shape of the future. We can only hope, as I do, after finding her fallen off a bicycle with skinned knees 20 years ago, uh, that she not only becoming herself today, but uh, laying that impossible journey down for other people, not only to listen to and enjoy, but to follow, is what all of us will sacrifice ourselves and find in that sacrifice both the great joys and um, and the great struggles. That's uh, that's that's what it's all about, particularly when I feel the heat of uh, the captain behind me right now. And captain, question. As a way. I hit a button that removed the segs and am going to implore you to find that button again. 
If not, if not um, I, I'm going to tell you that I'm personally responsible, and <laughs> you don't have to worry about talking yourself through the sag into your music. Um, this has been the Evening Tickler on WIOX, an imperfect, an imperfect uh, uh, moderator, that would be Steve, and um, an imperfect world, that would be Miriam and Steve and all the rest of you uh, in this mysterious and beautiful exploration that we're on. And, uh, and if you have any questions about what that means, please write us at the Evening Tickler, W-I-O-X. And with that, I'm going to try to play some uh, 